0: Do you want to make more dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade buy, make amends, and Trade Addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So, make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts Podcast. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your
1: hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price.
0: Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Matt, and Ryan, and we are hitting you with episode 593 of the show, week, jeez, what is it, week nine in the books? Week no, week guys, nine, yeah. we're, we are cruising through this fantasy season, more than half of it of our regular season is over, hopefully everybody's cruising towards the playoffs, but if you're not, stick with us, we're going to help you out throughout the rest of the season and into the off season. Let's uh, bring in the fellas, Ryan. How's it going, bud?
1: Yeah, going well. Uh, another good week. Uh, finally, had some success this week. I won't, I won't uh, be crying this time. It was, it was a good week. Okay.
0: Well, you know, it felt like to me, and I want to hear what you guys think of this as well. There were a lot of, a lot of lower end touchdowns. Not the scoring wasn't mm. wasn't real high. Of yeah. course, we're going to get yep. that with a dozen. It felt like backup quarterbacks. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was backup quarterback week between like the bye week, which has, you know, three really good teams on it. And uh, yeah, but I will tell you my new, I think my new favorite player is Josh, Josh Dobbs because geez, like, he's just the guy you call if you have a week notice and need to play a game, right? He set up for three different teams. Now he's, he was the quarterback 12 on the year entering the week and he was, think he's the quarterback two uh, in fantasy this week. So. Man, good job, Josh Dobbs. I don't know if he's going to stick with Minnesota, what they're going to do with Kirk Cousins, but he's such a fun player. He's got moxie, right? He just comes in the game. He's got the grit.
0: Yeah, he's got grit. He breaks tackles on fourth and long and, and gets the first down and gets out of bounds and stops the clock. Vikings fans... I'm getting texts from Viking fans saying, I hate being a Viking fan and uh, (laughs) questioning their fandom and things like that. I live in Vikings country. And then he brings them all the way back and wins the game for them. That was a, that was a heck of a drive. There were a few just nasty drives in the fourth quarter of games (laughs) on Sunday. And, um, hopefully we get some more of it. As usual, we're we're uh, recording pre-Sunday Night Football, so a couple games still to go, a couple fantasy games still in the balance for me. I'll be watching intense, intently. We got a lot to get to on the show. We need to talk about a big rookie performance in the startup. Uh, we're going to chat about some disappointing veterans and try to identify if they're buys or if we should be selling at this point. Uh, with their disappointing first half to the season. Then we're going to cover some trade targets based on fantasy playoff schedules, which usually isn't a big dynasty conversation, but it's going to be for us this year. We think we've identified some teams to target. But first, we should mention our friends over there at League Tycoon. This episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast is brought to you by those guys. And if you play in a contract dynasty league or have ever thought about joining a contract league, but were worried that it might be too much work, then you've got to check out League Tycoon. League Tycoon has perfected a platform for fantasy football salary cap and contract leagues. Leagues are super easy to set up, and they offer a ton of configuration and management options. League Tycoon's mobile app makes managing your team so easy. In fact, their mobile app might be the best in fantasy football Uh, might, might be the best fantasy league mobile app in the industry. Actually it's feature rich, easy to navigate and doesn't have a lot of distracting features to take away from the pure fantasy football experience. So go to leak to get more information and download the app. And if you use the promo code DLF when creating a league, your first year is going to be absolutely the startup yeah we uh we got to cover cj stroud guys in the startup and we we've touched on him briefly i think a few times in the first two months of the season but it's time to dig deep uh with stroud and this texans offense really 30 for 42 on sunday in the win against the buccaneers without a kicker uh 470 yards five touchdowns And no picks. He tacked on 10 rushing yards to go along with it. And is your QB one for the week? He was, he was electrifying, you know, just uh, throwing dimes all over the field and hitting guys in stride. The deep ball was beautiful. Five touchdowns. Guys, the 470 yards, not only is that a Texans record, best, best passing yardage game in all, in, in, in the history of the Texans. It's also the the biggest passing yardage game by any rookie in the history of the league. So we can't overlook CJ Stroud anymore. And I, I think all of us agreed a few days ago or, or a couple of episodes ago, it must've been when we said that he's, he's definitely the QB two in the class over, over behind only Richardson. But now we, we, not only are we talking about him as a, a QB one in dynasty, but, Maybe a guy we're building our teams around moving forward. Not many rookie quarterbacks go out there and and, and not only don't throw interceptions, don't uh, turn the football over, but have five touchdown games in their rookie season. This is this is a guy that is opening eyes for dynasty managers, Ryan.
1: Oh, I mean, he was obviously unreal on Sunday. I believe we did talk about him. Maybe maybe that was just last week. And, uh, as much as whatever, we, praised whatever it was, is, we didn't, we didn't say enough. <laughs> well, as, as much as we praised him, I also pointed out that we hadn't seen really a ceiling from him yet. He, at the time he had four QB one games, all of them were uh QB 10 through 12 finish. So a quarterback 10 finish was his highest, uh, highest rank of the season coming into week nine. And as you mentioned, not only is the, the QB one for the week far and away the QB one and uh, one of the most dominant quarterback performances we've seen in, in quite some time from a passing standpoint Um, we've got some brand new DLF ADP. It's not quite ready to be posted on the site yet. We'll have that soon in that data. He is the quarterback 10 Uh, And you can make a case, honestly, that he's a couple spots too low. He's uh, behind Tua. He's behind Trevor Lawrence and behind Anthony Richardson. So I think all three of those are at least a conversation when it comes to Stroud versus those players. The thing is, the ceiling that we did finally see on Sunday, we
0: haven't seen that from Obviously, Anthony Richardson, we only got really two and a half games worth of data with him, and he's really only finished one game in his rookie year. And then Trevor Lawrence, another name that you mentioned, still only 24 years old, has that elite ceiling, we thought, coming into the league, but hasn't really shown that to this point. To get this out of Stroud this early, Matt, that's got to make dynasty managers think twice when creating these rankings or if they're in a draft, particularly in a super flex league, how highly to to take stroud the 22 year old who's just just lighting the league on fire at this point
2: yeah, I, in my rankings today, I did move him up to quarterback eight ahead of Richardson and ahead of Trevor Lawrence. I, I do think Richardson could come back with a vengeance and, and get back up into that that upper echelon and, and be uh you know a better fantasy asset than Stroud at some point. But for right now, there's no denying what he's doing. I think I could probably get him ahead of Tua as well and get him up to quarterback seven. I think for now I'm gonna leave him behind Herbert and Burrow, but like Ryan said, I think I think it's a conversation with those two as well. So, I mean, if you want to rank them anywhere, I I think if you, if you have them behind Jackson hurts Mahomes, and Allen, I think if you want to put them at quarterback five, that's totally fine. I'm not quite there yet, but like, that's the range. Now we're talking about that six to six to nine range, I guess. And if you want to go higher than that, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say you're wrong.
0: The thing about it is he's doing it with a, with a team that's not full of superstars in fact on Sunday we had Dalton Schultz catching 10 for 130 in a score Noah Brown had six catches including a 75 yard bomb touchdown went for 153 in that score and then your guy Tank Dell Matt big game six for 114 and two touchdowns Nico Collins gets mixed in um that offensive line is really in shambles that they've been piecing it together they're slowly getting healthier. But he's under pressure. Teams are blitzing him, and he's just handling it. He's smooth. He's like Joe Cool back there, right? No running game. It doesn't even matter. C.J. Stroud just stands in there and delivers the football on time. And what's best, he was sacked three times. Even under pressure, he has that that cool. He delivers the ball, and he still does it with anticipation, right? They, They show those views from behind the quarterback on third and nine, third and 11, these third and long situations and he feathers a ball over a linebacker and throws it before the receiver even makes his break for a 13-yard gain and a first down. And, And Tank Dell turns around and the ball hits him right in the chest. So these are things that, you know, honestly, coming out of Ohio State, we didn't get to see a lot of that anticipation. He was playing with those receivers and everything was kind of um set forth in front of him okay this read throw it there the read goes the other way you throw it there and we didn't get to see him go through the progressions like we have seen him we you know we were we were held that was held away from us we never got to see that in his college tape and it was a it was a knock on him coming into the league Mm -hmm. that that there wasn't enough of that out there but he clearly has it. You know, he, he can, he can process with the best of them. It, it appears to me. And that means he's going to stay. He's, he's going to remain. He's going to re remain as a, as a top guy. And he, he's going to obviously need to do it from the pocket because he doesn't create enough with his legs to create that floor that we always like, but geez, maybe it doesn't matter.
2: And then and, and Ryan, like he, I think he said, in, you went to the interview, I think at the combine and you said that his calling, he said, he thought his own calling card was his ball placement. So that plus that, that, that processing that you're mentioning, Dan, like it's, it's a lethal combination. And he showed a little bit with his legs today. I mean, I, he looked better as a runner rather than freaking De- Devin single Terry did. So, hmm. uh, I don't know. I think that it's, it, you're not going to get the 50, 60 yards running probably. But you could, I think you could see him be kind of like a Patrick Mahomes-style runner where he's getting you 30 yards a game at times and picking up those first downs when, when, when necessary. And he showed that today.
0: Especially when teams decide, okay, we can't sit back there in the zone with the blitz. He's carving us up like right. that. We're going to have to play some man. Then maybe he does step up in the pocket and pick up those Mahomes-like first downs on third and, third and long. Uh, when, when it's a man blitz and, and you see a little bit m- more of that I that game was awesome Baker Mayfield played great by the way in that game brought the Buccaneers down the field a couple times could have had a monster fantasy game but gave Rashad White a couple uh, short touchdown runs Um, so he's really outperformed what we expected out of him Um, just a fun football game with that Along with that Vikings Falcons game, which was back and forth at the same time, red zone was a lot of fun to watch uh, in that early winter Two best games of the day. on Sunday, yeah. best games of the day in a in a week where we had Dolphins and Chiefs, we have Eagles and Cowboys, we got Bengals and Bills. Some premier matchups, we got some good games from some really honestly lower end games, and the Stroud performance was really just uh just a just a icing on the cake for what was a, what was a, just a massive performance and, and a coming out party, really. Like you said, Ryan, there, it was the,
1: it showed that ceiling, which is what we wanted to see. Well, I think, and and you both kind of hit on it a, a little bit. I mean, Stroud ball placement specialist is what he called himself at the combine that, that quote is, has gone around a lot now um since then. And he's really showing that it is true. Still has just one, uh, interception on the season, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you, so you look at the list of, uh, the list of quarterbacks who have just one interception. None of them have been full-time starters like Stroud has, uh, guys who have more interceptions than Stroud, Blaine Gabbert, Clayton Toon, Brian Hoyer, Trubisky, Aiden O'Connell, Tom, uh, DTR. I mean, guys who have thrown, uh, a couple dozen passes, are, are way up on that yeah. list uh, above Stroud, so i think he's actually i think he's actually a better real life or a better n f l quarterback than he is a fantasy quarterback, but that's not a knock on him at all we We always talk about players who um you know are producing whether it's garbage time production or or whatever uh i mean dan you've you've said similar things about fields yeah he's producing but he's not a good n f l quarterback so i don't trust him. Stroud is the complete opposite. It, we yeah. finally saw this ceiling, uh, but the quality of play that, that he's put together all year long, even, even with that limited fantasy ceiling is just going to ensure that he's going to be the starting quarterback uh, in the NFL for a long time. And this conversation is centered
0: around the ceiling because he showed that this week, but, and, You know, really a week ago, we probably saw the floor in that game against Carolina. It was low scoring. He only threw 24 passes and only threw for 140 yards. Didn't throw a touchdown, so his fantasy performance was really down there. But outside of that game, he has been consistent, right? Um, It's pretty much 200, 250, and two touchdowns every single week. And when when you're bringing those kind of, like, I don't know, Kirk Cousins-like numbers, that consistency... To go along with this upside that we finally see now, that's just a lethal combination and an opportunity for dynasty managers to put up big numbers. Uh, And really from a guy that was slipping into the second half of the first round in super flex rookie drafts over the summer, he even he was going in the second round, late second round sometimes in single quarterback leagues might turn out to be one of the bargains of that 2023 rookie class. Uh, can't say enough about CJ Stroud, but we have to, at this point, we got to move on dynasty rankings. Yeah. We mentioned it in the open there. We want to talk about some disappointing veterans based on how they performed so far this season and how we're going to approach those guys, uh, in our le- weekly lineups or in trade talks moving forward. Let's start under center guys. We'll try to hit on one or two guys from each position. Um, I think we got to start the conversation with Joe Burrow. Of course, we haven't seen him play here in week nine just yet. They got the Sunday night game, Uh, but quarterback 22 entering week nine, two quarterback one games only, of course, had that injury in the preseason or I guess in training camp that lingered throughout the preseason and into the regular season. Mobility was a big factor in the opening weeks, but here recently guys, Joe Burrow has looked good, right? He's, he's looked real good. Um, in fact, last week the um the former LSU tiger, he, he he finally looked like himself for the first time this year. And I think dynasty managers as a whole are probably thinking to themselves, "Now that's the Joe Burrow that I invested in. Uh 1500 yards, 10 touchdowns going into Sunday night football." Uh, had that that big game against the 49ers, three touchdown passes, almost 300 yards and 28 for 32 passing. The week before, pretty strong, two touchdowns. The week before that, over 300 yards and three touchdowns. I don't know if dynasty managers are still all that concerned about Joe Burrow. The the overall numbers, yeah, quarterback 22, that doesn't look that good. But here recently, he's looked, he's looked real strong. and He has 10 touchdowns on the season. He's not going to end the season with 22 touchdowns that probably means he's throwing 20 more here in the last 10 games of the year
2: yeah I, I agree with you Dan I think he looks way better I don't know if it's just the calf is is that much better but that play that's been going around I'm sure everybody's seen at this point where he evaded uh, Armstead he had guy had both hands on him he got away from him then he got away from Bosa mm-hmm. he rolled out and, and completed that first down pass to Higgins on the sideline so I just I think he's back Uh, I'm not worried at all about him at this point. Uh, He was was the quarterback four last week, as uh, you mentioned with those stats. And the offense looked different, too. They almost went to like this shorter passing game uh, where they were, you know, kind of taking what the defense was given. I don't know if they were just forcing stuff the first uh, part of the part of the season, but the offense looked different. It seems like they're rolling now. Uh, the game against, tonight against the Bill is gonna, Bills is going to be really telling. Uh, if if he has a strong performance again tonight, I think that it's wheels up for him and this offense. I
0: think we all said that a week ago when they were taking on the 49ers in that tough defense, although they've dealt with some injuries there, and he carved them up, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen a, a real bad Burrow trade here in the last few weeks but there were some bad ones in the dynasty community about a month ago when when he was struggling to to hit 200 yards and wasn't throwing any touchdown passes that offense is clicking though now ryan and it feels like if you want to if you want to buy in on burrow it's probably too late
1: yeah you missed your chance Uh, certainly turning things around uh, through the first four games of the season first four weeks of the season Quarterback 20 was his best finish uh, and then the past three weeks. Mm. Quarterback 8, quarterback 14, and quarterback 4 last week, as we mentioned. Um, Dan, you said he'd thrown 10 touchdowns on the year. Eight of those have come in the past three games. So, yeah, I, I, I think we're feeling a lot better about Joe Burrow than we might have uh, even a couple weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. You look at those season-long ranks and quarterback 22 for for a guy that we're currently ranking as the quarterback four in dynasty. Uh, It, you know, it, it kind of opens your eyes a little bit. And going back to the quarterback conversation we were having, he's also quarterback four in that new ADP that we uh, will be posting soon. Um, And and those, those guys are so tight. Yeah. So so tightly packed in there. Lamar is behind him. Um, And and then you even start having the conversation about guys like CJ Stroud. Uh, I, I think at the very least, he has he, he's closer to those guys than he is. Um, Mahomes hurts for me at this point.
0: Yeah, not not quite in that top tier, those big three in there. But you could order the next five, maybe even six quarterbacks in any order, and I don't think you're going to get too hard of a debate yeah. for most dynasty managers. Uh, nevertheless, Burrow disappointing start, but man, he's been guns blazing recently, and I wouldn't be surprised if over the last couple months of the season if he's one of the top scorers because they're going to need him to, uh, to save that team, really to dig him out of the hole that they dug early in the year. Let's move to the running back position, guys, and a running back that really skyrocketed up Dynasty uh, wish lists uh, in the offseason with, with Zeke moving on, Tony Pollard. He had a, he had a big week one, right? And everybody's saying, yep, that's what I was investing in. But Pollard has been a disappointment since that. Uh, since that point, uh, twenty six year, years old, and he's the RB sixteen entering the week. Three RB one games, one RB two finish on the season. Currently, the RB nine in DLF ranks, twenty seven overall. At twenty six years old, uh, another like ho hum performance against the Eagles' tough run defense. On Sunday, where he carried 12 times for 51 yards, caught three for 12, just not a big part of that offense and not creating those splash plays that we're used to now that Zeke isn't taking that workload away. He's not the same back as we've seen in the past. He's in a contract year playing on that franchise tag, remember, as well. There's no guarantees beyond 2023 where Pollard will be or what offense he'll be in.
1: How concerned are you about Tony Pollard moving forward, Ryan? I'm really concerned about him. And um, yeah. the, co- the uh, game coverage on Sunday pointed out just kind of the odd season that the Cowboys have had that I believe they're number one in point differential, differential in wins and in losses. So essentially they're either blowing teams out or getting blown out. Sunday was not the case against the Eagles as, as they had a close one that came down to the wire. But um, you can argue game script in, in either direction. Is hurting Tony, Tony Pollard, but ultimately it, it yeah. doesn't matter because he has one game all year with more than 75 rushing yards. Um, he hasn't been a top 10 running back since week one, uh, as you kind of mentioned there, Dan. And at his age, I mean, he's not old at 26, but uh, he, if he's not gaining value and not producing now, then we start looking at the younger players behind him that are producing. And I'm not even sure he deserves to be in that RB one category anymore. The thing is, he's gonna he, he's gonna blow out his
0: uh, his career high in receptions. He's currently at twenty twenty nine through eight games. His career high was thirty nine, both set in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. So that all sounds good. That's something that we want, but it's the lack of explosive plays that is causing a problem, right? He's not. He's not busting off those big runs, only averaging 3.9 yards per carry. A year ago it was 5.2, the year before that 5.5. But he already had, he's already logged 108 carries. Uh and that was entering week week 9. So he's he's at 120 now, Matt. Last year he in 16 games he only carried the ball 193 times. He's on pace for well over that, well over 200 carries, 250 even. The year before that only 130. So, you know, all of us in the dynasty space, or really the fantasy space, said for a few years, why can't we get Tony Pollard more touches? Mm. Well, maybe this is why. He, he, can't, he can't handle that kind of workload. He's not built for 16, 18, 20 touches a game. He needs to be more in that 10 to 12 range.
2: I, I'm not convinced that's the case. Like I, I think the, the, the blind spot for me, and, and I don't know if you were on him at the beginning of the season, Dan, or not, or before the season, I was because of the role, and the role is there. The role is is very good. He's seeing 69% of the snaps in the season. He's running routes on 50% six percent of Dak's dropbacks. The thing that was the blind spot for me was, and it shouldn't have been, was that Mike McCarthy, uh, he's not good. <laughs> he's not good at calling plays. If you if you watch the games, you see them running Tony Pollard up the middle you know 10 15 maybe not 15 but 10 times a game uh and that's not how Tony Pollard should be used last year they were getting him out in space they were having him run out on the edge and that's not happening nearly as much this season so i suspect that's what it is if people want to bl- blame the ankle i don't really i don't really necessarily think that's the case we we've seen medical esc- experts kind of uh Say that that's not the case, so I'm willing to trust them at this point. So I just don't know what you do with him. Like if he's on your team, you have to start him based on the state of the running back position yeah. and the workload. You're just not getting the the production. You'll want, you know, like you mentioned, Ryan, the, the game strips have been weird, whether it's like the 40 to nothing win against the Giants in week one, uh, the other way when they're getting blown out, like it's just been a weird season for the Cowboys. That plus the uncreative play calling from Mike McCarthy, I think is the problem here. I'm not willing, willing to write him off as a talent. We did this a little bit with Austin Eckler when he took over for Melvin Gordon, wondering if he was so successful because he was that secondary back because they got him in more, uh, advantageous situations. And I'm not saying Coney Pollard is, is Austin Eckler. You certainly can't say that with what Eckler's done the last three or four seasons, but I think he's on that kind of axis. So, and I I just don't know how it's going to change though, unless McCarthy gets fired this season. I don't think he is because the Cowboys are, 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 are a successful team. So that's the scary part is, is, is he going to get into a situation with a pre- creative play caller before he ages out from a dynasty standpoint? Um, but you have to keep playing them. The role is there, and you don't have better options, most likely. Yeah, disappointing
0: nonetheless, though. And maybe the difference is they don't have a a workman like between the tackles runner to take some of that workload. They have to hand the ball to Tony Pollard instead, so he's getting those carries and and getting the wear and tear on his body with that as well. He yeah. can't be reserved for those perimeter runs and that those plays in space that you talked about. Another guy that we like to see in space with the football in his hands is Aaron Jones of the Packers. He was RB 47 entering week nine. Of course he only played in five games and was limited in many of those had the big week one against Chicago where he scored a touchdown on the ground and had 41 rushing yards, added a couple catches, uh, including a long touchdown as well. Went for 86 then, and then he was sporadic, right? Had that hamstring injury, missed some time, Uh, Played sporadically, and we all started him because if Jones is on the field, you got to put him in the lineup. On Sunday, though, against the Rams, a big game. Uh, 20 carries, 73 yards, and a rushing touchdowns. Also chipped in with four catches for 26 yards. So going to finish as an RB1, most likely, once again, in Week 9. But that's just the second time this year. Currently ranked at RB21, Matt. You watch these Packers games. He's 28 years old. He's sharing this backfield with AJ Dillon. The Packers offense is, is tough to watch at this point. Jones is the lone white lone bright spot, really. If you're if you're a contender and you have Jones, kind of like Pollard, you you probably gotta start him, right? Moving forward because he can have big games and he's a big part of the offense. But nobody's gonna be surprised if he does what he did against the Vikings and carries seven times for 29 yards and chips in a few catches.
2: I, I guess I'm not, I would not put Jones in the disappointing category because I think he's only been really healthy for two games. That was week one. And then this week today, uh, in week nine, week eight, he still didn't look quite like himself. And and you, we all know the Packers uh, medical staff is very conservative. So they weren't going to go out and throw him into a, a situation like they did this week. And then we got that quote from LaFleur that it's uh, he's going to get everything. I forget what the exact quote was, but basically we're going to unleash Jones this week. Uh, and they did that. So. Uh, If he maintains his health, I I think this is what it's going to be going forward. I really like him as a buy for contenders. I know we're going to talk about that in a bit. uh, But in the fantasy playoffs, he gets he gets Tampa Bay, Carolina and Minnesota. All of these all of these teams, I think, can be scored on depending on what happens with our very disappointing quarterback, Dan. Uh, So I, I think Jones, like you said, is the best player on the team at this point. Uh, but, and if he's healthy, I want him in my lineup. So I, I'm, I'm happy to buy him if I can get him for a second round pick. I don't think you have to spend anywhere near a first round pick to get him throw a second and a third at the, at the manager if they're no longer competing. And I, I'm happy to do that with Jones at this point. And
0: there's a good chance that Aaron Jones is on a team that probably isn't a playoff contender because he hasn't been contributing. He's not helping get wins. In fact, he's, he's been helping get losses recently.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything Matt said. I do think most of Jones' struggles are uh, injury-related. I guess I just wonder, after these conversations, who are you more comfortable starting moving forward, Jones or Pollard? Probably um, Jones. Jones. At this point, I, I well? want to start
0: Jones. Yeah, and the the difference is he's, he's going to turn 29 here in a week or two, I think I, I heard on the – on the broadcast or maybe on a podcast this week. So his his contract is going to be difficult to keep on the books a year from now. So the future if you're looking at him is questionable. There there are th- some things to wonder about what 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 that second round pick brings if you go get him in, in the trade market right now. If if you're if you're putting Jones in your lineup though right now, you're expecting RB2 type production. And to try to get that with, with maybe a RB1 upside and to get that for a second round pick is kind of, it's difficult to do. Uh, you're, you're either going for one of these veterans or you're shooting for somebody who has a short term role. Typically, Jones seems like maybe the best way to spend a, a second round pick if you're in to start two running back league. Um Let's jump over to the wide receiver position. Probably the biggest disappointment of the season at that position has to be DK Metcalf, guys. Wide receiver 44 entering uh, the week this week and just kind of has some clunkers. And, and it's been pretty pretty consistent that way for Metcalf. Of course, he battled an injury earlier this year as well. Missed a little bit of time because of it. Uh, was on the field on Sunday, of course, but caught just one pass. It was a bomb for 50 yards. Uh, Hasn't had a wide receiver one game yet, Ryan. Only one wide receiver two finish so far on the year. He's currently right there on the RB, or excuse me, wide receiver one fringe at wide receiver 11 and number 15 overall in our DLF rankings. 25-year-old wideouts with his his really uh, pedigree, they don't just fall off. We don't expect this kind of start to a season. What's up with D.K.?
1: Yeah, I don't know. And and I, I would say his he, he's been disappointing, certainly, but I think it's been a quiet disappointment. I mean, this is a guy I even Not have. Not if you on. have him on your team, Ryan. <laughs> I, I disagree. I, I, I do have him on a couple <laughs> of teams and it's I don't know, maybe maybe it's just been a blind spot for me. But I've I've almost uh, almost been unaware of, of how how bad he's been or how average he's been. Uh, You said he hasn't had a wide receiver one game. Hasn't even been close. He was wide receiver 18 in week three. Uh, Outside of that, no games as a top 24 fantasy wide receiver. And that would include this week as well. As you said, just, just the one reception. Um, Yeah, it's pretty disappointing, but we always talk about the, uh, the depth of the wide receiver position, especially when it comes to those young guys. I mean, we've been talking a lot about Zay Flowers and and, uh, and Metcalf's teammate JSN, and at some point, the, just the depth there has to has to start pushing guys like DK Metcalf down. I I couldn't believe, as as surprised I was that he's been putting up these these subpar numbers. I was also surprised to see he's wide receiver eleven. In our DLF yeah. rankings, I do not think he belongs in the wide receiver one range at all.
0: Yeah, I, I saw you had put that in our document here, and I had to double check that to make sure that wasn't a typo <laughs> because I can't believe it either. What's DK doing up here at 11, Matt? And what do we do to fix it for Dynasty?
2: Well, it's, it, it's, 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 again, it's a, it's just, it's tough because the role is there. He's just, I think JJ Zachary said this week, he's just running cold. And I mean, maybe that's true last week. He had a 39% target share. This only 36 pick 6% of the, like the targets were catch were rated as catchable. Um, he's got a 24% target share on the season, which is right there. You'd like to see that between 25 and 30%. But with those other two very good wide receivers there, that's difficult to do. He's got 41% of the air yards on the season. He's just not scoring fantasy points, and I don't know why that is. Uh, today, only four targets, so that was certainly a, a factor. Maybe that was because they were getting blown out, and, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't exactly know why. Um, he only got four targets today, but out-targeted by both Lockett and uh, JSN today. So maybe he is just running cold. The peripherals are peripherals are all there and maybe he's going to catch up. Maybe this is a regression candidate. He's going to come back and have a, a couple of monster games here down the stretch. But that's what he's going to need to support this current DLF ranking, because I agree with you guys. Right receiver 11 right now, it does not make a whole lot of sense unless you're just talking about the potential of the player and, and potential is not scoring his points right now. That that
0: Raven Seahawks games. I was really looking Brutal. forward to that one. I I thought that one. I
2: know, amazing. and it was so bad. With
0: this schedule this week, I thought, "Man, that's in the early slate. That'll be a fun one to watch." And it was a blow up from from the beginning. 37 to 3 Baltimore. They just ran it right down the Seahawks throat. There's there's a big difference in the talent between Baltimore's roster and Seattle's. Seattle's going to have some questions to answer sitting at 5 and 3 right now. Another disappointing wide receiver this year, Chris Godwin of the Buccaneers, really disappointing. On Sunday, in that football game, and, and what was a shootout? The ball was getting thrown all over the football field. Uh, yeah, he came up with two catches for 16 yards on six targets. Wide receiver 36 entering the week. That number's going to drop. Just one wide receiver, one game, only one more game in the top 24. Currently ranked at wide receiver 25, which seems reasonable for the slot receiver that we expect to catch 90 to 100 passes. But he's 27 years old now, Matt. And and playing in that offense, we expected more, to be honest, coming into the season. It's just, if you're starting Chris Godwin, your expectations can't be real high at this point. If you get wide receiver three production, you're happy with that at this point.
2: Yeah. And I mean, how many, how many years in a row have we said, this is the year Chris Godwin sur- surpasses your favorite player, Mike Evans, Dan, <laughs> like it just, it just never happening. And if we, I mean, if we thought about this, maybe we, we should have thought about this more at the beginning of the season. Godwin meshed more with Tom Brady. His style of game meshed more with Tom Brady. What, is, what does Baker Mayfield do? He runs around a little bit. If he doesn't get the ball batted down at the line of scrimmage, he throws a deep. Uh, and that's that's what meshes with Mike Evans, right? That's what meshes with the speedster, Trey Palmer. It's not what meshes with Chris Godwin, who's a technician. He can win those those contested catches, but he's not the same kind of player as a guy like Mike Evans is, right? So, uh, we've been wanting Godwin to move on and it just hasn't happened, move on to another team, a, a better situation and it just hasn't happened. And I don't know if it's ever going to happen in terms of uh, eclipsing Mike Evans uh, on this team, uh, at least. Uh, he really does need a new, like a change of scenery or something to kind of jumpstart him because he looks good on the field. Like when I watch him play, he looks like Chris Godwin. He's just not producing for us. So it's a it's a difficult one. Yeah, has a big
0: base salary, another player with a massive base salary a year from now going to be exactly. hard to have tough to trade in 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 Tampa Bay. Uh next season we'll see what what happens. Ryan, anything to add there with Godwin?
1: No, not really. Uh I think Matt made made some good points there. Again, it's just the depth of the receiver group and once we do start moving these these players down, whether it's due to age or or disappointing performances, it's usually not just dropping them one or two spots. It's dropping them 10 or 20 spots. Um, so if, if guys like Godwin, I don't think DK's in as much danger, I guess, of, of falling off like that still a couple of years younger, but once guys like Godwin start to fall, they fall fast.
0: The last wide receiver we want to talk about today is Jerry Judy wide receiver 53 in production so far this year. Hasn't had a top 24 finish on the year, put some bad stuff on film. Honestly, if you watch the Denver Broncos much uh, giving up on routes, not getting open, not a lot of separation currently ranked as the wide receiver 33 on DLF and at number 63 overall, just 24 years old was a subject of trade rumors a week ago, but still in Denver. If you're looking at Jerry Judy on your roster right now, Ryan, what are you thinking about
1: him? Uh, I mean, I think he's, showing us what he is, you know, like the the difference between him and Godwin and and Metcalf is those guys have been good quality producers, um, really throughout their career essentially. And, and Judy, I think we're, we just need to start accepting that he's not the prospect we thought he was. He's not going to live up to that, that draft capital or or that wide receiver one rank. He entered the, the league with in his rookie class. He, he is what he is
2: maybe you get that rare, you know, fifth year breakout, like we got with a guy like Emmanuel sand or something like that. But it just feels like it's over for Judy. I started at the beginning of this season, trying to get in this offseason trying to move him for any first I could get. And like, now can you even get a second round for him? This is a player that still carries name value. So mm-hmm. can you move him for, you know, somebody like, like, it feels gross, but their duck production is there. Can you move him for someone like Adam Thielen, you know, like just someone that's like that's producing, but it clearly has no dynasty value at this point. I think Judy's on that track for for having zero dynasty value. So if you can turn him to any production, no matter how gross it looks from a dynasty value standpoint, I think you I think you
0: do it. It is gross because we're we're on almost to the point, Ryan, that he's a roster clogger, and he's only twenty four years old Absolutely. with all that pattern. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, the the age is is kind of what's in his favor and obviously the pedigree is there. He, he does he does check a lot of those boxes that uh that we like for our wide receivers. I really really wish he had gotten traded because uh he's clearly a guy who needs a fresh start uh whether it's a, a new quarterback, new offense, new coaching staff, whatever. Um maybe maybe that happens this off season. Um and, and you know, he can get things turned around. It doesn't feel like he's a guy you can
0: trade right now as Matt was kind of talking about there. If he gets traded this offseason, if he ends up with a s in a spot where that that creates a little bit of hype at that point are you trading him for a second or are you going to hold?
1: I think you can probably get a second for him right now. Um so now now you're talking upside. Like could he could he become worth a first in the right situation? maybe like that's that's maybe. the best case so I'd, I'd probably go ahead and take the second right now and and like i said i do think you can get that in in most leagues
0: Hmm. all right that's that's enough negativity for now <laughs> let's let's talk talk about some positive stuff
1: it's a downer let's talk trade
0: yeah, let's try to try to identify some trade targets for the fantasy playoffs based on schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, and and we thought we'd break this down by position, go through some of the current best matchups for the positions, and then try to talk about their playoff schedule and if there's any moves we can make to prepare for a championship run. So let's start with the running backs, Matt. Uh, the three the three best. Matchups for opposing running backs right now, according to schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, the Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers, and the Las Vegas Raiders. These three defenses have some nice matchups late in the season. Start with Denver. Let's talk about that defense. In Week 15, they play the Detroit Lions. In Week 16, it's the Patriots. And then in Week 17, they get the Chargers. Denver's kind of a funny team to look into because they had that big game that they gave up all those rushing yards to the Miami Dolphins when they had 70 hung on. Since then, though, that Denver defense has played a lot better. They're going to be coming off the bye. What do you think about trying to mine some some fantasy points against this Denver defense moving forward?
2: I mean, Detroit, I think, has, you know, obviously has one of the best running games in the league with, with Montgomery coming back and, and Jameer Gibbs. It's going to be interesting to see how that split works out. But if I have either of those players on my teams, I'm very excited for week 15. Those are both players I'd like to acquire. Obviously, Gibbs is going to be very, very expensive. Maybe some managers have some, uh, you know, like uh, Montgomery has been out of sight, out of mind for for a few weeks now. So maybe you can get him before he comes back next week. Uh, but those would be the the ones that I would tackle. You know, uh, Ramondre Stevenson had a had a nice, really nice game today. But I don't really want to bet on the Patriots' offense uh, necessarily. In Week 16, uh, like you said, the defense is playing better, and against an inept offense, I think that's going to be difficult. And then in Week 17, the Chargers. You know, I I, I still want to get in on Austin Eckler where you can. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about him a little bit later, probably more in depth. But there's lots of uh, evidence in the Trade Finder that you can still get him for for a single first round pick, and I think that's a fine use of your first round pick if. If you're a contender and hurting at running back uh so so yeah out of out of that group that's facing denver in the playoffs i'd like to, f- to focus on detroit and, and, the, and the la chargers
0: carolina is another defense that gives up a lot to the running backs i was invested in jonathan taylor on the props market uh in week nine that didn't pay off 18 carries for 47 yards <laughs> carolina defense looked a little better but they get atlanta green bay and jacksonville late in the season ryan is there anything here that, that catches your eye?
1: Well, obviously when you're talking Atlanta and Jacksonville specifically, I mean, B. John Robinson, Travis Etienne are going to be two of the most expensive uh, backs to trade for, to acquire in dynasty right now. So my, my eyes going back to that green Bay game in week 16, and we already talked about Aaron Jones and it seems like we're all on board with him kind of getting things turned around in the second half of the season. Uh, as as a cheaper trade target, uh, I think uh, I, I love seeing that Carolina matchup uh, in what's going to be, uh, I guess, the semifinals or uh, quarterfinals of of uh, most most fantasy league playoffs. Yeah, the semifinals
0: in Week 16, uh, Packers and uh carolina panthers the problem with those packers is sandwiched around that they get uh they get the buccaneers at home and then at the vikings whose run defenses are a little bit different how about the vegas raiders in that defense matt is there anything there they get they get the chargers we heard about them against denver uh kansas city and indianapolis in our playoff weeks
2: yeah, the Chargers man, they got a they have a really nice playoff schedule. Maybe one of the best 3 3 game stretch of of any team. So again, Eckler, uh, Pacheco, uh, Isaiah Pacheco has been better than expected, I think, this season. He's catching the ball a little bit, a little bit disappointing today in today's matchup against Miami. Uh, maybe that's you chalked that up to, to being in Europe, being in Germany and, and and everything that comes along with that. I'm not sure. But over the course of the season, he certainly, certainly performed better than I expected. That week 17 matchup with Indianapolis is really interesting because, you know, Zach Moss isn't really going away. Uh, last last week was especially head scratching with Jonathan Taylor just coming out and just destroying in the first half like 11 carries for 94 yards or something and then just two touches in the second half and then they brought Moss back in. So it's clear this is going to be, a, I think going to be a two-man backfield. Um, so obviously JT is going to be pretty expensive. Zach Moss, you know, it, I don't know. Okay. How, what do you think the price on, on he is? Can you get Zach Moss? Do you want even want to pay a second round pick for him? That seems uh, like Ryan? the price
0: you're going to have to pay if you yeah. want to go get, get Moss. And like, if you're a tailor manager, I could see trying to get that insurance policy, but you're probably not starting both of them. If you're, if you're not though, are you giving a second round pick for Zach Moss right now and hoping he keeps that role? That seems a little risky, Ryan.
1: Yeah. I think I would find better uses for my second round pick than, uh, you know, hoping Zach Moss continues to have this role. And, and, and I do, I do think he will, uh, at the very least have some role in the offense, but, um, yeah, even, even with uh, a couple of nice games there in that, that late season schedule, I'm I'm not giving a second for Zach Moss. If that's the cost, I'll, uh, I'll figure out something else. Right, especially on the running back
0: market, when we said that maybe you could get Aaron Jones for that, and and he has yeah. a nice matchup yeah. in the playoffs as well.
2: Absolutely, we heard
0: the Chargers in here twice. Week seventeen, they get that Denver defense, currently ranked thirty second in the league, and then the the Raiders in week fifteen, uh, currently ranked number thirty in the league. The problem with investing, and Matt, you said like maybe maybe you chase after Austin Eckler right now. I don't mind that. But it's really not the running game we're buying into with Eckler. It's him as a receiver. His his rushing output even when healthy this year has has been subpar, I would say.
2: Yeah, but you know, if you're getting Seven, eight, nine targets a game. I think that's fine. We know that targets are worth about two and a half to times the amount to carry. Is, so I'm not really concerned about the the rushing workload. And he's still being used around the goal line. Joshua Kelly has been mostly disappointing. He had a couple of, of big, spot, big games earlier in the season when Eckler was healthy. But as soon as he was took over that primary role, he immediately turned into a pumpkin. Right. So uh, I don't think he's really a concern at all. There's nobody to really challenge Eckler uh, with Mike Williams out, with Josh Palmer out. Uh, it's it's, a, it's the Keenan Allen and and Austin Eckler show until Quentin Johnston shows his face. You know, last week uh, Quentin Johnston had a fifteen and a half percent target share. We'll see if see what happens on Monday night if that continues to increase and that role continues to get better with Palmer out. But right now, I mean, he's 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 the he's the one a to to Keenan Allen in that offense. So I'm not I don't really care about the the rushing attempts necessarily.
0: Yeah, in three games since returning from that injury, two sub. 2-yard-per-carry outings, 14 carries for 27, 15 for 29, and sandwiched between a 14 for 45, just 3.2 yards per carry. The running game in Los Angeles for the Chargers has not been going well. Current best matchups for wide receivers. We have Washington, we have Philly, and we have Pittsburgh. These uh, pass-funnel defenses are not, not playing well, honestly. Washington has the Rams, the Jets, and the 49ers. Philadelphia has Seattle, the Giants, and the Arizona Cardinals. And Pittsburgh has uh, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and Seattle. So we hear Seattle's name a couple times here. Matt, this might be uh, an opportunity for Dynasty managers to go find some of the passing game pieces for the Seahawks because they have a pretty nice schedule down the stretch.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we talked about DK Metcalf already and his struggles, but he could certainly pick up. But he's he's still even with his disappointing disappointment, I think you're going to struggle to get him for a reasonable price. Like he's still going to cost you at least a first round pick. And like Ryan said, just probably better uses for that Uh, in a league we play in together. I tried to send like George Kittle for him. Uh, That wasn't going to work. So and I'm not really willing to go much higher than that. But Tyler Lockett, he uh, he's always cheap. Uh, and he's still going to be he's still going to produce for us in those in those ma- nice matchups in the trade finder. You see him go for a second multiple times, even a third, a couple of times. Lock it for Wandale Robinson, lock it for mm-hmm. for Marvin Mims. You know, those are nice prospects. But if you're a contender looking to score in those three weeks, I think he's the the most attractive target for Seattle. And in addition to getting Philly and and, and, and uh, Washington and Pittsburgh, excuse me, uh, they also get uh, uh, Tennessee uh, sandwich in there, which we know is another pass funnel offense. Uh, if you really want to try to try to bank on the the rookie narrative that they you know, they, I mean, it's not really a narrative. They do play much better in the second half, produce much better for our fantasy teams in the second half of the season. We saw today, JSN lead the team in targets, I believe, or maybe second in targets. um, and had the, was the most productive wide receiver for the team today. So they may be ramping him up as well. So all of these guys are targets, but Lockett is just so cheap uh, that he's the guy that I'd want. Yeah, Lockett's cheap,
0: but he's older. JSN's expensive and young and most dynasty managers aren't giving up on him. And as we already mentioned, DK Metcalf is expensive. Maybe the better way to buy into this offense, Ryan, if you're if you're a true believer and it's gonna be di- difficult to do it, is probably Geno Smith in a super mm-hmm. flex. Maybe you can get your hands on him and buy into this oh, offense.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that idea as well. Really, any pieces of this offense, um, based on this schedule and uh and looking ahead, I- I'm good with buying. I-, I do agree with Matt. I like Lockett as the the top trade target there. Um, the other team that's kind of jumping out to me is the Arizona Cardinals. They get the Eagles in week 17. Uh, Hollywood Brown, I think, makes a lot of sense as a trade target as well for contenders. Uh, he has performed well uh, throughout the season with with uh, backups at quarterbacks. So sounds like we'll get Kyler Murray back soon, hopefully next week. And uh, that's obviously going to be real big news for Hollywood Brown.
0: Yeah, the Cardinals get the 49ers, Bears, uh, and Eagles in the final three weeks of our fantasy playoffs. Probably too late to buy Kyler anywhere. Going to be difficult to get your hands on him at this point. Uh, But if you can, another nice buy opportunity. Uh, Hollywood Brown is certainly the one to go after at this point. Just four catches on eight targets for 24 yards from Clayton Toon, the rookie in Arizona uh, against the Browns on Sunday. Any other any other trade targets here, Matt, that you're looking at uh maybe maybe make some big plays and make a splash for you down the stretch?
2: I mean you could go back to the the um the chargers offense. I, I think you know camar uh uh excuse me Keenan Allen's kind of expensive but you know so, a second, it's just this is values kind of all over the place. Like there's trades like Kamara and Hopkins, which I don't know if you want to trade Kamara away if you're a contender right now. The way he's playing, Hopkins is kind of looking up with Levis in there. Uh, you see a, a first and a second for Allen that seems way too expensive. I don't really want to send a first round pick for Allen, but if I can send something like I know you're, you you really love Rashi Rice, but I probably send Rashi Rice for a second and a second for Allen right now. That's in the trade finder, uh, and then if and Josh Palmer's probably going to get healthy at some point. I mean he's basically free, Gus said words a third there was a trade in there for a single fourth round pick three fourth round picks like these are just these are free for 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 this these kind of matchups and this productive offense with justin herbert so i mean and if you really want to spend big go try to get justin herbert i guess and then like ryan said geno smith is the the cheap trade target from a from a quarterback perspective garner uh gardner Minshew is you know he didn't have a great game today but i think that was a lot due to game script and how uh just how bad that other team was today so um but yeah, there's there's lots of good, cheap veterans out there. I think you can do, you can, with, with this data we've given today, I think you can find something on there uh, to help your, out your contending team. One of my
0: favorite targets right now, you mentioned his name earlier, is David Montgomery. He's a little bit out of sight, mm. out of mind. In the playoff stretch, they get Denver, like we talked about before. But then they go to Minnesota, and they go to Dallas in a game that should be a big game late in the season. I love buying into that Detroit offense right now. And Montgomery seems like the cheaper option with Gibbs. That coaching staff also seems like the kind of coaching staff that's going to say, no, we're just going to give it to Montgomery 18 or 20 times. Gibbs, you'll go back to your your 8 to 12 touch role that you had before. If that's the case and Monty gets everything down at the goal line, he's going to score a lot of fantasy points down
2: the stretch. Throw, throw, throw golf in there too, because I think uh, it's eight of their last nine games are in a dome. So they're going to be fine with the cold weather games coming up uh, on those, on those fast tracks for all the that, all that speed that's on that offense. So yeah, Detroit's a a great target.
0: Uh, Any other names that jump off to you, Ryan, if you're out there trying to look at the trade market and identify a player that can help you down the stretch, is there, is there a guy that you're going to target here in the
1: coming weeks? Well, we talked about Seattle as, as really an offense to target. And, and this one's a little bit different than some of those veterans we talked about, but, uh, I love, I love Zach Charbonnet as a trade target. Uh, it's getting, yeah, you know, me too. that's getting, uh, more and more difficult as he, uh, as he makes some big plays when, when given the opportunity. Uh, so I don't think he's quite as easy to acquire as he might've been two or three weeks ago. I know, I know you were shopping for him, Dan, um, but, yeah, if you can get him basically below what uh, what he cost in rookie drafts, I think that's a, a great idea.
0: Yeah, I offered a second-round is- pick to everybody in every league that I didn't have him, and I got him in a couple couple leagues a few weeks ago. So that worked out for me. I'm not sure if you can do that anymore. I know you can't do that with Devin A-Chan anymore uh who is in a similar situation and took advantage of his opportunity if charbonnet gets that that role in that backfield to himself for a few weeks if kenneth walker and this injury's kind of been lingering if he doesn't get back to full health i could see charbonnet making a big splash he's a nice trade target and a guy i think is going to make an impact down the stretch another guy i traded for recently that I've never really been a huge fan of, but I bought because he was cheap in the backfield. I needed some help. I got Ramondre Stevenson in two leagues because he was cheap. And and he's catching enough passes and making enough plays since I made that trade to make me feel pretty good about it. I don't think you can get them all as cheap quite quite now. Maybe maybe uh, depending on what his ADP is now. Uh, last month he came in at 48 overall and RB 13. Maybe that hung right in that area still. But at 25 years old, uh, I took a chance on Ramondre hoping he gets that workload down the stretch.
2: I really like that, Dan, because you with, with the way that right wide receiver core is right now with, you know, Demario Douglas and as basically the wide receiver one, Kendrick Bourne injury. I mean, even when everybody was healthy, that wasn't an impressive receiving core. But especially now with all those injuries, you could really see Ramondre getting back to that role he had last season uh, where he was, you know, had a 20 percent target share over like a six week stretch, I believe. So uh, I like that call a lot. What
0: about Javante Williams? Are you guys willing to do that? They get the Lions, Patriots and Chargers in the playoffs. Williams had his biggest game uh pre-buy against that Packers defense who's who's really a sieve when it comes to run defense but look as explosive as he has all season long uh in that game I'm wondering if maybe those 27 carries for 85 yards if that translates into or excuse me 15 carries for 82 yards and then last week against the Chiefs 27 carries a career high for 85 yards is that going to translate into a workhorse role down the stretch? He also caught three passes in each of those games.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm excited about Javante Williams. I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago on here as a bye, but honestly, at that point, it was kind of more of, of a gut feeling and, and looking at that backfield. But now we've got back-to-back quality games from him. Uh, and again, looking at his competition, McLaughlin and, and uh, Samaje P. Ryan, I think he's far and away the most talented back in in that backfield, and uh, I think we're going to see some more big games from Javante. The price, of course, is starting to go back up with him as well, though.
0: It's starting to rise a little bit. How about last couple names to to bring? It turned into a running back conversation. The guys we saw on Thursday night: Najee Harris, sixteen carries for sixty nine mm. yards. And a touchdown looked a little bit more nimble in that game, and then Derek Henry, seventeen carries for seventy five in a score, and is a part of the passing game as well. Are these guys Henry? He's aging, Najee Harris, he's slow. Or is there any value to be had with these guys?
2: Henry's always fun yep. down the stretch. Okay. So, I mean, I, th- I think he's he, like, I think Ryan's mentioned this before. He's put perpetually cost a late first round pick. He probably still costs you that. I don't think you're getting him for a second. Um, the problem is those are fun you should guys. have
0: bought Henry for a late first three years ago, and then you would have got four years of production. <laughs> of him. Now exactly. it's only one or two, one, but he was old then.
2: Wh- one other guy, I th- <laughs> one other guy I thought about you guys. Uh, what do you think about Jerome Ford as a buy?
0: Yeah, coming off that injury, but yeah. had that work, workload on Sunday against the Cardinals. I think a lot of the dynasty or fantasy uh, anal- analysts out there said, oh, it's going to be Hunt. But Hunt had 14 carries, Ford with 20, just 44 yards, though. Uh, the game script helped towards that. I, I think he demands the ball in that backfield down the stretch. Yeah, He's another guy. Nobody's given him up for anything but a second, though. You'd have to give a second, right?
2: For Jerome Ford? You think, yeah, I think like, if I have to give a second, that's pro- probably not doing that. Yeah, if I can get it for a couple for of third, thirds or maybe A little... third and a player third and a no, prospect. I think, I how about, how about second. Jerry Judy? You want to send Jerry Judy for Jerome Ford? Oh yeah. Ugh.
0: Yeah. You got to do it <laughs> <laughs> after investing the fifth pick in your rookie draft a few years ago on Judy and getting Ford <laughs> off the scrap heat. <laughs>
2: You got to know when to cut bait.
0: It might be time. It's time for us to cut bait on this episode for Ryan and Matt. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this uh, edition of the DLF dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.